Sarah lived through a nightmare. In 2010, an intruder abducted her after brutally killing her mother, brother, and family friend. The police located him, arrested him, and rescued Sarah. He had been holding her hostage for four days. The community mourned, but was thankful 16-year-old Sarah was still alive. Three years later, she lived through another nightmare. Her father punched her in the back, and five days later, her stepmother kicked her down a flight of stairs. Her kidnapping made national news, but only local news outlets reported on the assaults she suffered three years later. It is a harsh reminder that life continues after the lights and cameras have been turned off, as it was for Jonah in his day and the city of Nineveh. From the time we are old enough to say the word whale, we hear about Jonah and the whale. We know Jonah preached to Nineveh. The Ninevites fasted and repented, and God forgave them. Long after the national news cameras of Jonah's day were covering another story, Nineveh relented on their repentance. And that is why Nahum wrote his book. His book tells the rest of the story of the wicked city of Nineveh. God judged the nation of Assyria, especially its capital city, Nineveh, and restored his people. Perhaps God would have forgiven the Ninevites again if they had repented again, but they did not. God poured out his promised judgment for their endless cruelty and redeemed his people in his mercy. The rest of the story of Nineveh is a short story because they did not repent of their sins. May the same never be said of us. A good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners and students. I'm your host, L.J. Harry, and you're listening to the God's Word for Life Companion Podcast. Companion Podcast means there is a student guide to go along with this podcast. So if you have it, go ahead and open it up, whether it's in print form and you can flip through the pages or it's on your phone and you can scroll through the pages. Open it up, if you would, to Sunday, August 22nd, 2021. We're looking at Lesson 12 of the summer of 2021. We're almost finished with this quarter. And the title is The Avenger. Sounds exciting. I trust it will be. I'm glad to have you on the podcast today. I'll give you time to find your companion guide, and I will be right back right after this announcement from a guy with a really good voice. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. I told you that guy's got a really good voice. Welcome back to God's Word for Life. We're looking today at Nahum chapter 1, verse 1. If you have your student guide, open it up. If you're not, just open up your Bible and join with me as we read the Word of God, Nahum chapter 1, verse 1. The Burden of Nineveh, the Book of the Vision of Nahum the Elkoshite. God is jealous, and the Lord revengeth. The Lord revengeth and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries, and he reserveth wrath for his enemies. But the Lord is slow to anger, and great in power, and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebuketh the sea, and maketh it dry, and dryeth up all the rivers. Bashan languisheth, and Carmel, and the flower of Lebanon languisheth. The mountains quake at him, and the hills melt, and the earth is burned at his presence. Yea, the world and all that dwell therein. Who can stand before his indignation? 
and who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. Have you ever prayed, really prayed, for God to take vengeance on somebody on your behalf? Or more important, have you ever wondered why God did not take vengeance on your behalf as quickly as you expected him to? After all, Romans chapter 12, verse 19, boldly declares, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Do you wish God's payment plan was a little quicker? Well, perhaps we need to be careful to understand the purpose of vengeance and even more careful to not exact vengeance ourselves. It could be possible that the reason God is not taking vengeance on your behalf is because you already exercised it yourself. Instead of letting the Lord work, you jumped into action. Instead of holding your peace, you let your tongue, or typing, or texting, run wild. The Lord will not allow us to suffer defeat and destruction at the hands of our enemies without Him taking vengeance. Whether sooner, whether later, He will avenge us in His time and in His way. He is slow to anger, so we can be quick to misunderstand. But we must ever learn to trust Him. He will redeem us and restore us. You can see that from the beginning, God had a plan for his people. Whenever someone rises up against them, God will always avenge them and fulfill his plan. It would stand to reason that God will fight on behalf of those who are serving him. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 10, verse 30, lets us know, for we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. When it comes to handling offenses in the lives of his people, the Lord said he will take care of balancing the scales. Out of all this sovereign God created, nothing means more to him than his people. As much as God loves all of creation, he loves humanity even more. And this love is not a fickle here one day, gone the next. It is a faithful, never-ending love. First John 3, 1 tells us, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. That is amazing. Out of all of creation, he chose us to be sons and daughters of his. When a child is hurt or abused, a loving father will step into the situation and attempt to make it right. And this is exactly what God will do for us when we have been done wrong by our enemies. He will take vengeance on them because he loves us. So let me ask you this. Why do we need to allow God to be our avenger? And maybe one more sub-question, why are we not qualified to be our own avenger? Hmm. Let's move on. Just because God will avenge us does not mean he will instantly respond during our time of trouble. Indeed, many times it seems as if he is not even aware of what we're going through. But keep in mind, his ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. In addition, his emotions are not like ours. While the Bible does declare that God is emotional, he is never, never out of control. When we read the 103rd Psalm, we better understand how God avenges in his time. Psalm 103, verse 8, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. We should be thankful for that. We may not see him take vengeance today or even tomorrow, and the next day may not be a good day either. <laughs> 
It may happen so far removed from where and when we are that we almost forget about the offense, but God does not. He's simply slow to anger. He is not some evil tyrant just waiting to pour out wrath and vengeance on our behalf or even on us. Rather, he waits patiently for the right time to take vengeance on our behalf. Have you ever felt like the Lord was much too slow in acting on your behalf? If so, what did you learn about the character of God in that process? Here's something about his character. Psalm 100 and verse 5 says, The Lord is good, his mercy everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. At the heart of this relationship with God is the knowledge that God is good. The central theme of the Word of God is that God is a holy God and that all God is and does is good. Everything evil would be opposite to the character and to the nature of God. That means he cannot allow those who would do evil to his people to go unpunished. His sense of goodness demands justice. So because God is good, he only desires good for us. As we become like him, we reflect his goodness. The more of his image we reflect, the more his goodness is reflected toward us. And as his goodness is reflected toward us, we realize he will not allow us to be destroyed by our enemies. But sin destroys the human soul. It is obvious that all sin would be evil and therefore not acceptable to a good God. When we allow sin into our lives, we are actively working against the goodness of God. We probably don't mean to, but we are. And in so doing, are separating ourselves from the very relationship he desires to have for us. And for that reason, he must judge sin. His goodness will not allow him to leave sin unpunished. If he were to ignore sin and allow us to continue living how we wanted to live, he would actually be condoning us, not being in right relationship with him. As he judges sin and brings correction, he is manifesting his goodness to us. The Apostle Paul expressed this so well in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, when he said, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? He will avenge us. He will avenge us of our sin so that our relationship with him can be restored. His goodness leads us to repentance, even when he is using judgment as a means of bringing us back to a right place with him. Now, have you ever been guilty of not wanting God to be a God of judgment? Have you ever wished he was all mercy and no justice? You might think you want that, but really, you probably don't. Let's take a look at Nahum and Nineveh. In the opening verses of the book of Nahum, we find God giving Nahum a message of vengeance for Nineveh. The Lord quickly established the reasons judgment was coming. Number one, God is a jealous God. Secondly, the Lord ex executes revenge with passion. Thirdly, he will take vengeance on those who rebel against him. The Lord is quick to explain that the judgment was not a sudden act of emotion and anger. Verse 3 lets us know God is slow to anger, great in power, but he cannot ignore the sin that separates people from him and destroys people. In the remainder of verse 3, through the end of verse 6, Nahum continued to write and describe the great power God has over the forces of nature and that he has his way with all that he created. The remainder of the first chapter of Nahum details the intent of the Lord to deliver Judah once again. He was using the judgment against Nineveh as the means of doing so. 
for the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. Nahum chapter 1 verse 7. God is a place of safety and security for his people. But he knows when someone is not putting their trust in him. And it is to those who trust in flesh and sin that God will bring judgment. So how do we know? How do we know when we are placing our trust in ourselves instead of in the Lord? Nearly 100 years prior to Nahum's time, the Lord had shown great mercy to the people of Nineveh. He showed great mercy to all of Assyria when he sent the prophet Jonah to preach to them. The prophet came with a plea, reluctantly came, but did come with a plea for Nineveh to repent, else God was going to destroy them because, as we've already learned, he is holy, he is good, and he must judge sin. But amazingly, the people repented and turned toward the Lord. And God extended his mercy toward them because of their repentant response, which is a result of several things. In Jonah chapter 3, verse 5, we're told that they believed God. In verse 5, they proclaimed a fast to show their mourning and their humility for their sin. In verse 8, tells us they called for everyone to pray to God as well as return to a moral life. This was beautiful. This was repentance on display. The tragedy is they relented after they repented. Their commitment was short-lived. Soon after Jonah's revival, the people turned back to their evil and wickedness they were involved in before God showed them mercy. It was not long before they were once again consumed by wickedness and idolatry. It would seem their repentance was motivated more by fear of being destroyed than about having a right relationship with God. When repentance is offered merely as an escape from judgment, we will almost always return to sin. The Ninevites were, as some people are today, moved for the moment when judgment was promised and proclaimed, but once God's mercy gave them a reprieve, they returned to the sins they recently repented of. Sin had driven the people of Nineveh so far from God, they declared war on God's people, and it angered God. For several years, Nineveh had returned to their sin, and it displeased the Lord. But when they decided to rise up against Judah, the Lord intervened. He allowed Judah to suffer under the Ninevites' oppression in order to correct them, bring them back to him. And although the Lord had allowed Nineveh to be instruments of correction for his people, he would not allow Nineveh to destroy Judah. Nahum chapter 1 verse 12 informs us, Thus says the Lord, Though they be quiet and likewise many, yet thus shall they be cut down when he shall pass through. Though I have afflicted thee, I will afflict thee, referring to Judah, no more. The Lord was declaring he was going to let loose his vengeance upon Nineveh. God's sense of justice demands he execute judgment on those who would attack and abuse his people. Those who have been faithful in serving him deserve to be vindicated. So by judging Nineveh for their actions, the Lord was showing Judah that he had not forsaken them, even when they forsook him. Have you ever seen the Lord act with judgment to protect you or someone you know? If so, you know he executes judgment right and right on time. God well understands we're human. We're subject to failing and falling short. But thankfully, for us and for others, he is a God of mercy. He is slow to anger. His desire for relationship with us is shown through his actions of both judgment and deliverance in our lives. He's long-suffering during our times of walking with him and walking away. 
Even when God does have to judge because he is good, he is right, he is holy, he is just. We must trust God always has a plan to redeem us and restore us. We see God's deepest desire in verses such as Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. You've probably seen this on a wall, on a plaque, on a bumper sticker, on a t-shirt, in a meme. For I know the thoughts I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. God's intent is not destruction, it's correction. He fully expects us to make it to heaven and spend eternity with him. And so he will do whatever he needs to do to correct us and bring us right back in right relationship with him. We know we are called by God. Romans chapter 8 teaches us another verse we've seen on plaques and bumper stickers and t-shirts and memes. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. We're called. Don't let your faith waver, even if it seems we're about to be destroyed. Express every confidence that God will avenge us and what is happening in our lives is working for our good. He is good. His plan is good. We are in his plan and he will avenge us of those who would seek to destroy us because our God is good. Let's pray right now. If there's something you're going through in your life and you want God to stand up and avenge you for what you're going through and what you're dealing with, let's pray that God would give you the faith to trust he will avenge you when it's right and he will avenge you in the way it's right because he is good, he is holy, he is just and will avenge his people. Lord, I love you and I am so thankful you are slow to anger, so thankful you are quick to mercy. I need your mercy. I need you to be slow to anger with me. God, I thank you for your goodness and I know there are people listening right now especially in light of what is happening in Afghanistan. I know there are people listening right now who are wanting you to stand up and avenge your people. And I ask you, help us to leave vengeance in your hands, to trust you will do what is right when it's right. I ask you today, Jesus, to give us the faith to trust you. Give us the faith, give us the temperance to allow you to avenge us in the way it's right. I pray, God, even for our enemies today, you taught us to pray to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. I pray you'd bring every one of them to repentance. I pray bring every one of them to a place where they will get right with you, that you will just as you gave Nineveh the opportunity to repent. I pray, God, you would give them the same opportunity to repent and get their hearts right with you. If they choose not, I pray, Lord, you would avenge us and you would judge them in your time and the way you know is right. I praise you, I thank you, and I trust you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today to God's Word for Life podcast. I hope this episode has been a help to you. Hope it's been a blessing to you and given you some strength and faith to know how to act whenever you have been wronged or offended but rather you leave justice in the hands of Almighty God who will always, without exception, always do what is right. Our God is so good. I'm so glad he's slow to anger, especially with us. Hey, God's Word for Life is getting ready to roll out a brand new fall series. And if you have not yet received 
the God's Word for Life, whether hardbound or paperback copies, it's beautiful. It's been fully redesigned, and it's full color this time, and the content is outstanding. will help you to grow in your faith, help you to help others grow in their faith, and the design is beautiful. It's a great resource. So thankful for all those who work so hard. A rousing round of applause <sighs> for all of our Word of Flame and God's Word for Life staff who produce this resource for the glory of God and for the sake and cause of discipleship. Go to godswordforlife.faith. That link is there in the show notes. Give you a sneak peek of what it looks like, and you can order the curriculum right there. Student guides, lesson guides, daily discipleship guide, resource kit, total growth toolkit, you name it, it's there. And it's great for all ages. So go to godswordforlife.faith for a closer look. Next week, if Jesus tarries, we're going to take a look at August 29th, 2021, and we're going to take a look at the lesson entitled, The Role of the Prophet and Prophecy. That's going to stem from Numbers 12 and Deuteronomy 18. I'm looking forward to walking through that with you next week, and always looking forward to learning and living out God's Word for Life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.